Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We just want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight, Lord. I'm asking, Father God, to be a pillar for the double portion of the Spirit tonight. Teach us, Lord God, speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that as we look into your word, you would edify us, equip us, encourage us, and educate us. And I pray, Lord God, that anyone needs to come to know you tonight, and anyone, Lord God, needs to get their relationship with you right tonight, with the rest of Thank you tonight to come. And Lord, there may be someone online touched by your word. You give them, Lord God, the courage to contact us and let us know, Lord God, that there's a vision for you and there's a desire to be a part of your family and what you're doing. I'm asking, Lord God, you reach out and bless those who are traveling tonight, those that aren't feeling well tonight, and those that are at home, Lord God, due to other reasons that couldn't come. Lord, I'm asking you to bless them. Let them know their love and their praise for them. We ask you to go with us now we look at your word with you. Song of Ascent. We're actually in Psalm 126. I'll give you a second to turn there. Verses 1 through 6. Psalm 126. An interesting title given there. That title is, of course, Song of Ascent. So we need to get the idea of ascending because that's exactly what our psalmist is talking about here. And it sounds like everyone's quick. Looking through their Bible, so we must be there. Psalm 126. Let's begin. The Bible says in verse 1, a song of ascent. When the Lord brought back the captivity, the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. So we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. So what exactly is a song of the sin? What exactly goes through your mind when you think about that? Well, you've got to understand inside the book of Psalms, we have several of them that are titled the book of the sin or song of the sin. Several of them that have that particular uh, title. And so you need to get the understanding and the idea that as they were singing the song, they were actually coming up. They were actually moving up into the worship. And that's what a song of ascent is. They're climbing up the ramps, they're climbing up the staircases, they were singing these songs. And so, in your mind's eye, there's the idea of them singing, We go out sowing, we come in. With reaping. We go out in tears, we come back in with joy. And this is the song that singing. Now, the King James Version phrase used in the title of 16 Psalms, that would be Psalm 120 to 134, is where we get the idea of Song of Ascent. And modern speech translations render the phrase Song of Ascent, though the origin of the phrase is obscure. I have a good time writing that, I have a little fun with that. The generally accepted view is that the Hebrew term Ma Elot. Now say that with me. Ma Elot. That means goings up is a reference to pilgrims going up to Jerusalem for three required festivals. We read about that Psalm 42, verse 4, and of course, Psalm 22, verse 4 as well. So Jerusalem was surrounded by mountains. Did you know that? When the Mount Moriah came in that area. Psalm 121, verse 1, 125, verse 2, 133, verse 3, possible without being in those mountains. Thus, such trips involve a literal going up. 
29, the first Psalm 132, and verse 7. Right up top of the head tonight, name some of those required uh, feasts that they would go up to. Anybody know the first one? Tabernacle, Passover, what about the other one? Did we have to go to Jerusalem for Passover? Sukkot, we went to. What about one called Day of Atonement? Right? So there's a couple of them we had to go to in there. And that was in our song of sense there. And they would see me going up to them. Others have suggested that ascent is a reference to the rising melody of the Psalms, the step like poetic form of some of the Psalms, or to the steps upon which the Levites performed music in the temple. Jewish tradition relates the title to the 15 steps leading from the court of the women to the court of Israel in the temple. You know what? We actually have a picture of what that might have looked like because the temple was not as So this would be a good idea of what the steps might look like. Going up those steps, they might sing the songs one by one as they went up. Perhaps if they hit a particular beat or a particular rhythm or a particular chorus, perhaps refrain in the song, they would stop on his step and sing that. But, let's focus on the last two verses from the Psalm 126. Verses 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his seed with them. In fact, I'm going to give you a modern day song that we sing here to walk down on occasion. Thanks for a while. Let's just sing it. called Bringing in Peace. Talking about going out to Solheim and coming back, bringing the shoes with you. It's not in the hymn of the Solheim here. It's not in the 1975 hymn of the However, we're looking at sowing, reaping. Yeah, a little bit like the parable of the sowing here. A little bit to me. It sounds a lot like the parable of the soldier. How Jesus starts out, Mark chapter 4, Matthew, we have some of the pictures of this. This parable of the sower, he goes out sowing seed. He goes to sleep on a good ground, stony ground, falls on ground with thorns, and falls on ground that is prepared. That's what ground is giving to the good soil. So if you're looking into our Psalm 126 or Psalm 126, would you be reminded a little bit? With the sower. In fact, we've got a picture of what that might look like. This is a picture of an artist's idea of the parable of the sower. Notice that we have the bird feeding the seed. Notice we have stony ground. We have good ground. Of course, we've got thorns and thistles inside that picture. Now, let me put a disclaimer out there that is not an actual photo. It can come over there. Doubtless, somebody will say, Check your sources on that picture. <laughs> yes, I did. That was make believe. Okay? Make believe. So look with me then. Keep your fingers there in Psalm 126. Look with me at Mark chapter 4. Let's take a look at the parable of the sower. Let's take a look at verse 13 and 12. I'm going to give you a second to turn over there. Uh, with me, we're looking at the song of the sense. We're looking at going out with tears and coming back in, rejoicing. We're going out sowing. We're coming back in, reaping. Mark chapter 4, verse 13 and 20, the Bible tells us, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And I want to give you my interpretation of that particular verse. 
it's okay if you disagree with me. It's okay if you don't understand it, or it's okay if you think that I'm wrong in it. But I believe this particular parable is key to understanding every parable Jesus gives. And I want to tell you again from verse 13. Jesus said, "Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables?" And I believe that understanding this one correctly sets up our understanding of every other parable, like a math problem. If you don't understand how to solve it, then later on, the harder they get. And because you don't have that basic understanding, you can't do the next problem. You can't build on it. And I believe that's what Jesus is referring to there. And so what is the parable of the sower all about? The parable of the good sower? It's about somebody who goes out and shares God's Word. And he comes into the reality that not everybody who hears God's Word is a good person. Not everybody who receives God's Word is a Christian. Did you know that? Not everybody who rejoices at God's Word is a Christian. In fact, there are real Christians and there are fake Christians. In fact, Jesus talks about that to read some of his other parables. He says there's good fish and there's bad fish. There is sheep and there are goats. There is wheat and there is tears. You don't understand this. You don't understand any of those parables. Do you not understand this parable? How then do you understand all the parables? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their heart. These, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things, entering in, choke the word, and become unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some, some. Let's combine a little bit of explanation of the parable of the sower in Psalm 126. You go out sowing with tears, you come in reaping. If we were to look at that and kind of combine that in the parable of the sower, then you might begin to see exactly what we have there. Somebody who goes out sowing in tears comes back reaping in joy. Now, where do you come to rely on the parable of the sower? I think everybody who gets to see what they say they are. There is good ground. They bear fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. There's stony ground. And they have no roots. And if you'll read the whole explanation of the parable of the sower, you'll know that when the sun comes out, the plant withers and it dies. And it has no roots. And Jesus explains that for us. He says, it's persecution, it's trial, it's tribulation. The sunlight comes out and burns them away. I like to call them mushroom Christians. You know why? Because mushrooms, when exposed to the sunlight, they need to stay in the dark where there's no trials, no temptations, no persecutions, no tribulations. The moment it comes, it's still not going to die. The 
just to have that seed that lands on the thorny ground. Folks, Jesus explained it for us as well. Choked out by the cares of this world. I can't pay my bills, so I am not going back to God. Those who say everything is taking too much time and church is just now inconvenient and here choked out by the cares of this world. The one that scares me most is happening. Jesus says, hey, these guys can see the world there's no broken heart There's no weakness. No. There's no different Remember that the parable of the sower the seed that is sown is the word of God. Therefore, let's look at what is sown in Psalm 122, verse 5 to 6. And the word of God also. The psalm says that those who sow in tears if we were to go out sowing with tears, preaching with tears, terrifying, testifying, testifying with tears, proclaiming with tears, I wonder how their ministries would change. I wonder how they would. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, and I quote, there be sinner after sinner after sinner. And we go out and we proclaim and we testify and we preach. We witness too. Let not one go to hell unfaithful. Let not one jump from the cliff without our arms wrapped around their legs. And our hearts crying out to them. Come see. Oh God. How would our ministry change? How would your ministry change? Perhaps you're online tonight and let me answer that question. How would your testimony change? Somebody who took that advice in the ministry. Let me introduce you to him. So you may know him. He is right there. His name is General William Booth. He is the founder of the Salvation Army. He died in 1912. Nice beard. This is what he said. While women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a poor lost girl upon the street, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. Fight the very end. Another time, just to give an idea of William Booth's thought, another time, two Salvation Army officers set out to find a new work, to found a new work, only to meet with failure and opposition. And this is Christian. There are times we're going to fail. You know that? Come on, say amen. There are times we're going to do what we think God wants us to do, and it's not going to be successful. In fact, we're going to fail and fail miserably. We often build, and listen to me now, we often build the idea of God's blessing only upon the successful. That is wrong. That is wrong. I want you to think about it like this. In our way of thinking nowadays, the bigger our church is, the bigger God's blessing is. That's wrong. That is not right whatsoever. 
You want a church that has God's blessing? Then you have a church that holds to God's Word, a church that preaches God's Word, a church that still testifies that Jesus Christ is the only way. These two Salvation Army officers set out to found a new work, only to meet the failure and opposition. Frustrated and tired, they appealed to the general to close the rescue mission. General Booth sent back a telegram with two words on it. Cry tears. And he called his device and they witnessed a mighty device. Now, concerning this matter of sowing and reaping, think with me for a few minutes. Think with me what it would mean if we were to sow in tears. In fact, if we look at Psalm 126, it tells us, it guarantees us, if we sow in tears, we will reap in When's the last time the sin of this world has broken our hearts and says, When's the last time we've looked at what our families are going through or looked at what our children are facing and not said, Well, that's just a lesson in life you've got to learn. When's the last time our hearts have been broken for sin? That the meeting Wednesday morning one of the questions that came up was, the last time you've been broken with sin? is normal nowadays. And we consider it normal. We consider it a part of, of life. We consider it as, well, there it is. It's just there, and we've got to accept it. Wrong. We don't have to do that. We should be broken hearted over it. Our hearts should be aching. It should be breaking over how readily. Church, and not just the church, but Christians. Not just accept sin, but normalize it. And not just normalize it, but assimilate sin. We take sin and say, well, that's the best I can do. Whoa. Whoa. We were hearts. We start sowing the tears with a broken heart. God, my heart is broken. What am I supposed to do with broken heart? If you had a ministry right now to break your heart, what would you say? And I know some of you, I know your heart, and you're sharing them with me. Right now, some of you would say, Pastor Joshua, the abortion breaks my heart. Literally, I could cry a river over that. Well, it breaks my heart. Yes, abortion breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. There's one person right now that does not know Break my heart. When's the last time you went out sowing in tears. And I'm not talking about some sort of heartfelt, teary, sappy message. No, no, no. I'm talking about when has your heart been truly broken for the law? The Bible tells us in Psalm 126, if we sow in tears, we will reap in joy. When's the last time you reap in joy? When's the last time you've been praying for one person and you've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and your heart's broken over them. And the day that person comes to know Jesus, there is no greater joy. Amen? The day they surrender to Jesus, there's no greater joy. So let's look at the priority of sowing the new Now, I'm not being a pessimist. I've been called that by several people. But I am a 
when I say that the tears of Southern Baptists all but died off. In fact, right now, there are over 11,000 Southern Baptist churches in Southern Baptist Convention. In fact, if you want to look at our latest statistics, and let me tell you, we're not putting out a lot of statistics because we are in there. But in the year 2020, we have 11,000 churches in that time. Another 18,000 baptized. Five or less. 70% of all Southern Baptist churches are dead, dying, While our tears and hope are crying out, I believe He is. I believe He is heartbroken. I believe He's standing in front of Lazarus' tomb, weeping. There's so little weeping of joy, and there's so little sobering We in Booth Course founders of Salvation Army received word from his converts that they were coming home. They said, We tried everything. We tried preaching on the street corners. You ever said that? Oh, Pastor, we knocked on every door out here. We've invited everybody. I used to pastor a church, and their mindset was, They know we're here. We've tried everything. We've tried preaching on street corners, beating drugs, passing out tracks, and nothing worked. When the group sent down a telegram, said simply, cry tears. I'm not telling you to make a sassy, crying, heartbreaking message. I'm telling you, get your heart broke for the law. I'm telling you, fall in love with lost people. I'm telling you, no in your heart where they go without Jesus. And that should break every Christian's heart. And you should be saying amen right now. Every one of us should be brokenhearted over the lost. Every one of us should be crying out for our children, for our parents, for our brothers, for our sisters, for our grandparents, our grandchildren that don't know Jesus. Our hearts should be break. That's not to be a hard preacher. But there are many right now who would rather watch the Kansas City Chiefs there are many that would say, I would rather have this entertainment than a broken heart. I want to remind you of being Christ. Somebody told me about two weeks ago, Pastor, that don't work. I wrote a back and said, Christ, get your heart broke for the lost. Get on fire again for God. How do you do that? And so, in Jesus. Now, William Booth later said, Some men's ambition is art. Some men's ambition is fame. Some men's ambition is gold. My ambition is gold. I'm not a big, big salvation army fan. I really don't care about the theology. But I love, love, Sometimes I can look at, at cults like Mormonism. It's a cult if you're online and you're caught up in the Mormon church. You are being fooled. I'll tell you something that I love about it. They will go out. They will do what we won't do anymore because we said it ain't working. It is. Especially if your heart is broken. Especially if your ambition is full of men. You will weep in tears, and you will, if you will sow in tears, you will weep. 
and joy. The evangelist D.L. Moody. That's the only thing about D.L. Moody's wife. Moody. He got to meet Charles Spurgeon. In fact, Charles Spurgeon was his role model. I remember reading about how he met Charles Spurgeon. I got sick of that. He knocked on Charles Spurgeon's door. Charles Spurgeon opened the door, and in his hand was a cigar, and in his other hand was a glass of brandy. And D.L. Moody backed up and said, How can you do that? Spurgeon looked at him and said, The same way, you can be so fast. I can't quote to you where that came from. Somewhere in his lectures and things of that nature, Dale Moody, a wonderful, wonderful Bible teacher, learned that his heart was broken in. I love Dale Moody. Dale Moody writes extensively about a particular time he had with a family where a wife, his husband, became ill. She called Dale Moody the pastor and he came down and tried to meet this man in Jesus. Later on, he began to be unresponsive. And later on, he began to slip away. The Moody arrived, taking his hand and physically slapping the man across the face, trying to wake him up, saying, Would you repent? Of course, it was too late. The only thing was praising in the heavens. Only Jesus. This is what D.L. Moody said. I can go to prison for you. I can go to death for you. But I refuse to go to heaven. Cry, tears. One of his famous quotes was the Bible will not give us to seek our knowledge, but change our lives. As a Christian, I've watched the temptation of many. Many churches try to change the Bible to fit the circumstances. I want to remind you that we don't change the Bible to fit our circumstances. We change our circumstances to the Bible. We are supposed to fall in love with them. We are supposed to let them know, for God so loved the world. And I want to challenge you. So, the broken. So let's look in at our first point. The priority of sowing and reaping. It was the priority of passion of Jesus. I believe that in all my heart. I believe his priority and his passion was to bring the gospel to the law. In fact, he tells us that. He says, I am here. I am anointed to bring the gospel to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom and liberty. The priority and passion of Jesus. Came to seek and save that which was lost. And he did it through Peter. If you looked over the lostness of Jerusalem, and I'm going to remind you in Luke 19, verse 41, if you looked over their hard heartedness, if you looked over their rebellion and their refusal to see what God was doing, the Bible says, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over When's the last time you have known? In tears. At the same time, we may not sow in tears, but we do sow in self-righteousness. We do sow in 
other names as well. We sow in self-righteousness. We sow in prove a point. We sow in I told you so. Last time we sow in tears. Psalm 126 tells us that we will sow in tears. We will reap in joy. You'll fall in love with him. You'll fall in love with the gospel. You will look at him like God looks at him. The song my wife is playing this morning. Set on the bed in my morning prayer time. She was combing her hair and curling her eyes like a song was coming out. She was. The song was, Give me your eyes, Give me your arms, So I'm going to ask you, the last time you let me love them like you love them. How does God love them? God so loved the world that gave us only begotten Son. How did God view them? For God so loved the world. This is doing now that He gave His only begotten Son. How did He hold them? He put His hands on the leather. He said, "Find him, feed out." He put his hands on unclean women and said, Woman, thou art clean. The last time you saw him, Jesus got here to Jerusalem. We need to see people like Jesus. He saw people in a trespassing from sin, he saw people without hope. He saw people without direction. He saw people without peace. He wept. In fact, when we get the scriptures, he saw that they were sheep without shepherds. When's the last time you stoned them? When's the last time you driven by the homeless guy and find that they need help? Oh, I know. I know. 85% of them are phone alone. The truth is, your heart's breaking. You know that? I sow in tears, I will weep in joy, bringing in the sheep. Jesus saw them and wept. Remember that when we sow in tears, we come weeping in joy. The principle of sowing and reaping 
be in relationship with Him. The Bible tells us, do not be deceived if you look at chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Don't be deceived. Let me break that down for you. Don't lie to yourself. And don't let anybody tell you things like God is not not going to let you make a liar out of him. God's not mine. For whatever a man sows, that he will also see. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Let me stop this. If you sow in tears, you will reap in joy. If you're outside and you see that guy and say, man, he's throwing baloney, I'm driving right by him. Okay, I recommend you stop and pray. If the Holy Spirit prods you and moves you, give it to him. Even if you know he's phony phony. Even if you know he's going to take advantage of it. Even if you know he's going to use it for something else. Or he's going to put it in his pocket and act like he never had it. I remember being a young youth pastor here. We prepared for the first mission trip we've been on in a long time. We were as we arrived in Mexico, and I'm not kidding you, as we arrived in Mexico, we pulled up in the parking lot of that church in Matamor, Mexico. I remember we went to two of them. We went to Dunamos, that is church, which is dynamite, and we went to Miami, Bless Me My, that was two of them. I remember pulling up in the parking lot of Bless Me Abatista. As we pulled in, the other church that was leaving for the My pastor looked at me and said, Yep, that's how we do it nowadays. We timed it perfectly. They're leaving and we're arriving. Whatever they painted, we're going to repaint. Whatever they fixed, we're going to fix again. Whatever they did, we're going to do it. Guaranteed, they just finished their vacation Bible school. We're about to put a vacation Bible school. They'll come for the hot dogs and the Kool-Aid. He told me this. He told me little about being a preacher. This is what he said. He said, if you will, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. The Bible teaches this wonderful principle of sowing and reaping. Within this principle are three interwoven forces. You know them. You learn all about them. You always reap what you sow. Apple seeds always reap. There's always somebody who will say, not necessarily, but I've been an apple seed. I'm such a good botanist, I might get a lemon out of it. And I say, oh, yeah. But I, in my experience with you, so 
the lamp and seeds will weep. You sow orange seeds, you'll weep orange seeds. You sow gospel seeds, you'll weep harvest We've stopped weeping for only one reason. We've stopped sowing. This last time you sowed, not just sowed, sowed the seed. This last time your heart's been broken over sin. This last time it's been broken over what's happening in our country, in our world, in our churches. We've stopped sowing. Today, many of the church growth gurus have convinced us that people will no longer respond to a home visit. They say that confronting people with the gospel doesn't work with this generation. I beg to differ. They say that people won't talk to you. They won't give you any information. They actually have told me confrontational evangelism, Joshua. Hopefully, the church is losing. As a result, it's not so. Incidentally, if we look at God's principles of sowing, you always reap what you sow for us. You always reap after you sow. You will always reap after you sow. You will always reap after you sow. Incidentally, you'll never reap until you sow. You'll always reap more than you you weep more than you sow. Let me go back to the parable of the sower and spread the seed in the good soil. And it bears fruit, some 30, some 60, help me out, 100. Oh. You'll always weep more than you sow. When was the last time you sowed a few? When we do, we'll be reaping with joy. The priority of sowing and reaping. I think we need to remember that. I think you remember if you look out and you see the broken, the defeated, the destitute, the lonely, the sick, even the rebellious. So the tears. Principle of sowing and reaping. I think we might rename it to the promise of sowing and Galatians 6 9 tells us, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Don't give up. You're praying for that grandchild? You're praying for that wayward son, that wayward daughter? Hear me. Don't you stop. Don't you lose heart. Now, it's been said, Pastor, you watch too much TV when you were a kid. That is what I'm saying to you. I'm going to give you another movie quote. How many of you watched that? Mel Gibson movie, Brainwashed. Yeah, you did. It was a great movie, wasn't it? How many of you remember when he said, And that's the most iconic movement in that movie. I remember at Howard Payne University, freshmen, because they were doing all the big coming freshmen, they were joining fraternities and sororities, and they had this very, very large man who was dressed up like Brainwashed. He had a tinfoil sword, and every time the professor would call his name, Part of his joining the fraternity is he would stand up and clap and say, Freedom! And run and smack himself into the wall. I'll never forget that. However, if you watch the movie Braveheart, remember that particular individual betrayed in the Bible. He confronted his father. 
for those lost in sin and dying in sin. Break our hearts, Lord God, for our lost family. Break our hearts for our sister churches, Lord God. Help us to sow and Lord, in good time, if it works then, huh, we will reap and enjoy. Oh, blessed be your Holy Spirit. We will come out of your name forever and ever. Lord, in Jesus' name. Would you come with your sins? Would you come? I have this.